there's absolutely no way in a million years I would be on telly if I hadn't have done that apprenticeship at Black & Decker. No way. When I first started and I told a lot of my friends that I'm going to do a plumbing apprenticeship, it was sort of the case of why would you want to do that? You're just going to be unblocking toilets and that kind of thing. I think the, the idea of it is wrong. I think people don't actually know what it is. What I can, I think, say safely for someone who's done an apprenticeship in the British Army is that they also get those life skills. We need skills and learning for everybody. And if you just look at those school leavers and say, not everybody wants to go to university, uh, so we should have more apprenticeships. Actually, at school, engineering was just as much for girls as it was for boys. I think I learned so much more at work than I do at university. Um, so I'm in my third year of my degree, and I can honestly say that you will never match the kind of learning on the job aspect. Welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the Home Surf Foundation. I'm Georgie Frost, and coming up in the final episode of Series 2, well, plenty has happened over the course of our second series. Not least, we have a new apprenticeship minister. Gillian Keegan, who we heard from twice on the podcast, has been replaced by Alex Burkhardt. But what will the appointment mean for apprentices and apprenticeships in the UK going forward? Well, I'm certain my guest today will have plenty of views on that subject and more. Labour's Shadow Minister for Further Education and Skills, Toby Perkins, MP. Toby, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Firstly, the appointment, Gillian Keegan, she's always impressed every time I've spoken to her on this podcast. I have to say, a former apprentice herself, very passionate advocate for apprenticeships. What do you make of her time in the role and what the new appointment says about the government's commitment to apprenticeships? Uh, she, she sort of spoke well and uh, I think was, was seen as someone who was quite a good uh, front person for the government in terms of this sector. And, and personally, I got on with her and, and found her courteous and, and helpful in um, things that we've been engaged in uh, together. Um, whether I would say that as a result of her um, time in the post, the regime in terms of apprenticeships is, is stronger and much improved. Um, no, I'm not sure I could necessarily point to that. And I think there are structural issues in terms of apprenticeships. Um, and decisions that needed to be made at a time when apprenticeship numbers were collapsing um, that uh, that weren't taken on. So in, in that regard, I think the government still has much to do. Um, but that, you know, I mean, it's impossible for me to know how much of that was, was down to her responsibility and, and how much of that um, was down to other people um, refusing to uh, to provide budgets or, or other things. But, you know, I wish her well in uh, in her next job and, and certainly wish the new minister well uh, and hope that, that some of the structural issues that, that I think continue to exist in the world of apprenticeships um, will be addressed in, in the coming uh, period. How would they be addressed by Labour? Where do apprenticeships fit in for Labour? Well, I think apprenticeships are absolutely crucial. We believe they should be seen as the gold standard uh, in terms of um, introduction into the workplace. We think that um, a lot more needs to be done to support small businesses, particularly. We're very much a small business economy now. Um, and we have, I think, an apprenticeship regime that is envisaged with big companies in mind. And we've seen since the introduction of the levy uh, and the removal of um, the independent funding for um, SMEs to take on apprenticeships, a massive reduction in the number of um, small businesses offering uh, apprenticeships. So I think we need um, reform of the apprenticeship levy. We need to make more 
small businesses, uh, help more small businesses to access apprenticeships. We need, to, I think, the government needs to be very careful in terms of the approach they're taking uh, to qualifications. And I think there's a, a real danger um, that there will be a reduction in the number of opportunities um, if they go ahead with their, their current proposals to abolish the vast majority of level three um, BTEC qualifications. Um, uh, and I think that um, in terms of the uh, approach around supporting um, people with special needs and, and others to access uh, apprenticeships and to see apprenticeships as a real option for um, A-grade students, as well as something that's there for the, the, the 50 plus percent who don't go to university. Um, I think there's still a lot more work to do. Well, there's a lot in what you just said, and I want to un unpick some of it. But could you argue that this is the best time ever for businesses to take on an apprentice. Now, incentives are still in place until the end of January, and we've got this new levy portal for SMEs to draw down from. So could you argue that? Well, I think certainly um, it's a great opportunity for businesses. I'd massively encourage any business to take on uh, an apprentice. I think it depends um, on whether you have um, existing levy or whether you're able to access levy funds. Um, as to whether it is the you know the best time, I think many small businesses would say, well, it was a better time when we got apprenticeships funded. I think that there are very strong established networks in terms of support uh, for businesses that take on apprentices, um, but there is also a huge amount of bureaucracy that goes with taking on apprenticeships. Um, so wh where it stands in historic terms is is an interesting academic question, um, but but certainly my. Uh, perspective would be that I take on, an, I have an, someone on, on an apprenticeship working in my very small office. Um, and I think that I would encourage any business to consider what they can do to, to bring the next generation into their, uh, into their workplace, because we know that we, we're suffering real skill shortages uh, and we need to do more to, uh, to support more young people into the workplace. What does your apprentice do for you? Um, so I, I have an apprentice, uh, someone doing an apprenticeship who's an existing member of staff, um, but studying specifically the area of um, uh, digital marketing, digital communications. Uh, uh, it's only a part of his role uh, in terms of what he's doing, learning on the apprenticeship. But it, it means that it supports the work that he does on my Facebook and social media, what he does in terms of um, my website, creating uh, a lot of my communications uh, with my both my constituents and, and the wider uh, educational um, sector. How is it mutually beneficial? I imagine it is, but I just want you to explain to me what you're getting out of it and what he's getting out of it. I think what I'm getting out of it is is definitely there are. I mean, I think I think an important starting point is to say that MPs' offices are very small. I've only got five members of staff split across my um, Chesterfield and, and Westminster offices. So, you know, people who work for me have to be very multitasking and, and take on a number of different roles. Um, as a result of that means we don't have huge sort of specialisms in terms of uh, a lot of the digital communications, which are more important than ever before, uh, and reaching out to people in, in my constituency. Um, as a result of that, having someone who's able to support me in terms of casework, as, as he does, but also able to you know, run and support my digital communications, incredibly important. I think from his perspective, um, firstly, it makes his job more interesting. Secondly, it builds up his skill base. 
Uh, thirdly, I think it means that his contribution to my office is greater, and, and that obviously means that potentially he's more um, valuable from an, an economic sense uh, in terms of, of the role that he plays. Uh, and, uh, you know, potentially in the future, I think everyone who works for me, um, recognising that, you know, an MP's office is a fairly flat structure, you recognise that people will on occasions want to move on. Uh, and I like to think that people who leave my office leave it uh, in a stronger position than they arrived in it. And I'm sure they will. And that's the benefit to uh, to both of you. But I want to know, if you are a small business and you did mention the paperwork and it can seem very off-putting, what can we do to encourage more small businesses to really consider taking on an apprentice, to get rid of perhaps some of the myths or to allay some of those fears? But also there are very materialistic concerns that they have. The money, is that going to be enough? What can we do more? Well, I mean, I think the key thing is to make sure apprenticeships, you know, anyone who wants to take on an apprentice is able to access the support to do so. I mean, it seems absolutely the wrong basis to decide who takes on an apprentice to be based on how much you pay into the levy in the first place. Um, so, so I think we should recognise the apprenticeship levy as a taxation policy. Uh, and it's quite a good tax policy, but it shouldn't be the thing that decide, that drives and decides um, who is responsible for taking on the, the next generation. So, you know, I think we, we should um, utilise all, make sure every penny of uh, apprenticeship funding is utilised. Uh, and if that means, if you're a business that doesn't happen to pay the levy, you shouldn't be excluded from, uh, from, from being supported with taking on apprentices. You mentioned there about the skills gap. And it's something we've discussed a lot over the last two series. Uh, it's discussed a lot because it's very real. How do you see apprentices playing a role there? Is that where they can make the most impact? And how can we make the most use of them in fulfilling that skills gap, that long-term skills gap we have? Well, I think the first thing to recognise is that the jobs that we do are going to continually change. So the idea that, that maybe held um, pretty firm 30 or 40 years ago, that you, you do it, spend a year, spend two years, spend five years learning your trade, and then you, you do that for the next 40 years, that, that's long gone. So what we want from an apprentice, of course, is to build up um, individual skills that they're going to use in their job. But also, more importantly than that, to build that love of learning, that, ex that experience and that expectation that they can go to work and learn stuff that they didn't know before uh, and utilize that in, in their careers. Um, and so I, I think it is gonna be incredibly important in terms of apprentices helping us to address this skills gap. But it's also important that we, we get businesses involved in this culture of lifelong learning, that recognizing that, that there's an element of investing in your own staff so that they become better employees for you in the, in the future. But there's also an ecosystem where if we all have a culture that we invest in people, um, that sometimes those people will develop the skills and move elsewhere, and sometimes we'll recruit people who've learned those skills elsewhere. Um, but that collectively in the industry, uh, the more that we're able to uh, have this culture of investing in people and, and them uh, delivering, uh, the stronger we all will be as a result of that. Indeed. We have COP26 just around the corner. Um, expecting a lot of green policies. We've already had plenty. We need them. Uh, what role do you think apprentices will play in this green agenda? Meeting the government's green targets, 
eventually perhaps meeting your own targets, whatever they may be. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. The, I mean, the truth is that there is no prospect of us achieving uh, some of what has, has been laid out in, in terms of the ambitions towards COP26 without um, a, a strategy around attracting the, the skills in the next generation um, to, uh, to deliver on, on the kind of green industrial revolution. I think that uh, there are huge opportunities. Apprenticeships are just a part of that. Um, but there are huge opportunities for the government to, to seize that, um, that uh, opportunity for, for Britain to be a leader uh, in this field, uh, for us to both innovate, uh, for us to manufacture, for us to develop services, uh, for us to, um, to provide uh, both the, the products and services that, that uh, will be needed in that. But it is only going to be possible if we're able to uh, to, to attract people into this field mm. and to attract businesses and, and convince businesses that if they invest in the UK, we will have uh, the skills for them to to uh, take. And so all of the talk that there is about our skill shortage in, in this country and particularly post-Brexit is very damaging for uh, Britain, UK PLC in terms of attracting inward investment into the UK in this, in this sector. How do you think we had, um, I want to stick a little bit with the, the green agenda. We have announcement from the government of the £5,000 boiler upgrade scheme. How do you think we're going to create the skills to install new boilers and heating systems and repair them? And how will that work and be incentivized? Well, I mean, that, that's, that's a really good question. I think the first thing that we need is sort of certainty around these kind of incentives. I think we've seen these sort of things before. We had the feed-in tariffs under the previous Labour government. The, the, the new government came in and kind of massively reduced those and said, that, you know, they were too generous. Um, we, we, we've had uh, previous schemes that have, um, uh, have had a great fanfare, but then uh, 12 months later have hardly been utilised. I think what we need is something in the long term that... Um, people can be certain of uh, that is, is going to last, that isn't constantly going to change. Because if you've got certainty about what the picture is for customers, then you, you've got a lot more certainty about investing in that sector. I think if you look at what's happened in terms of um, the, the whole sort of green uh, domestic installations market over the last 11 years, it wouldn't give you huge confidence as an investor to, um, to rely on that as a, as a business model. So I think we need government, and it needs to be a cross-party approach, that we have um, you know, government and opposition saying that there are schemes here that will continue over a, a long period of time if you choose to invest. And then the second part of that is around qualifications. It is around um, uh, access to those skills, whether that be through independent training providers all through further education colleges it is about young people being um, educated when they're at school, that there is uh, new careers that your mum and dad won't have heard of, but that, that they're absolutely worth you getting involved in because they're going to be the jobs of the future. Uh, and when it comes to things like IT, uh, there's really established um, networks. We need to, to get those networks established within the green uh, industrial uh, opportunities that exist. Toby, are you a fan of flexi apprenticeships? I think there's, there's real potential in terms of the, uh, the, the flexi job uh, apprenticeships. I think it's 
it's something that we need to um, to explore. It, it's absolutely crucial, and, and the government, uh, I think, in, in fairness to them, um, have been quite good in recognising that it is important that there is um, that, that the standards aren't uh, uh, don't don't sort of dip as a result of this. But I think we do need to recognise that there are um, many businesses that are. Um, that, that consider the current apprenticeship regime to be too um, rigid, uh, that they do want to take young people on, um, and particularly when it's uh, about trying to access um, opportunities for more young people. Um, and, and so, you know, this is something that, that can be a really uh, useful programme. But I do think that in terms of employers, uh, understanding of what their role is. And I think there's loads of employers that want to play a role in supporting the next generation. But I think for many of them, they, they look at the picture and they see uh, apprenticeships, they see traineeships, they see supported internships, they see uh, T-levels, they see um, uh, now the, the flexi apprenticeships. And, and the picture feels, uh, and, and of course, Kickstart as well. Uh, and I think the, the picture feels so complicated mm that they sort of uh, are overwhelmed by it. And I think government are expecting a huge amount for employers. And, and I really am sceptical as to whether the number of opportunities that need to be available um, through to, to sort of service all of these different um, opportunities will exist. And, and whether, you know, and that's why I, I say, repeat what I said at the start, that the Labour Party sees apprenticeships as the gold standard. It's got, it's got, uh, established networks of, of providers. He's got qualifications that are trusted by uh, employers that are understood um, by um, parents, learners, uh, institutions, and uh, by uh, employer uh, by employers. And uh, and that really, um, you know, when it came to things like Kickstart, government would have been better focusing their attention on on expanding uh, the funding for apprenticeships than having quite such a complicated picture as they have at the moment. So the solution then is to to make the picture less complex. How do you, how do you begin to untangle that? I mean, in terms of T levels, uh, I'm very sceptical that the amount of work experience that is needed um, to make T levels the replacement for level three B techs are are going to be available, particularly in the COVID era, but even before uh, the COVID era. And I think as a result of that you will end up with a situation where either the government restrict, you know, reduce the amount of work experience that is required or that institutions say we're not going to put on the number of T-level courses that we did uh, previously for BTEX and you will have uh, a, a generation, large numbers of a generation missing out on that level three qualification. So uh, I think as a starting point, Labour's approach would be apprenticeships are the gold standard. This is what we think businesses should primarily be investing in. We want to make them available to more businesses. We want to make them definitely available to more smaller businesses. We recognise a role for independent providers as well as the uh, statutory FE sector. Um, and we want to um, really push everyone in that direction. Now, um, are there sort of certain circumstances where the apprenticeship model doesn't work? Well, I'm sure there are. But let's see that as the primary uh, response to the, um, the, the young people's um, job crisis. If you look at the government's approach, I think it felt to me 
like um, Kickstart was their primary response to the, the, youth, the rising level of youth unemployment post-COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a bigger giveaway from government and it's a less of a commitment to young people. Um, it, they leave without a qualification. Uh, I, I don't, for a minute, suggest that there won't be many cases where it works. Um, but I, I would you know, still say that I think uh, that apprenticeship should be the, the primary tool in our toolbox. What about university? Where do you stand on the apprenticeships versus university debate? What well, do you think I don't, might happen in the future here. Yeah, I don't. I don't like um, to to think of it as a as a versus debate. Uh, I think that both you know universities are incredibly important. We have world class universities in this country, and we should be proud of them. Um, we have uh, many really decent apprenticeship opportunities too, but not nearly enough. Um, we shouldn't be seeing one against the other. Um, I uh, would absolutely say to any young person, if they were a straight A student or not, um, to consider apprenticeships alongside universities. Apprenticeships absolutely shouldn't be there just for the kids who don't get to university or don't qualify. They should be there as a, a really great option for every young person, whatever they're, um, you know, as long as they have the capacity to learn at that level, uh, that, that they, should, um, they should be seen as, as a good option. Um, I think that there, there is definitely a role for university-based apprenticeships for um, people to do degrees as part of their apprenticeship. And I think I would say for both T-levels and apprenticeships, um, if they're a route to university, they will be seen more as a, an option that are considered for straight-A students. So I think that the brand needs uh, level five, six, seven apprenticeships to be available, um, but they should be available for students who start at level two and three as well as uh, for those post-A level. So, uh, you know, I don't want to see um, the, the debate being apprenticeship versus university. Uh, I want it to see uh, as recognising that both of these are really worthwhile options, uh, that neither one nor the other should be seen as secondary. Um, and uh, and there's something that right from the earliest, certainly from the earliest part of our secondary school career, uh, that both apprenticeships and university are something that are being talked about and young people are absolutely aware of those opportunities. One of the big stumbling blocks, I mean, we talk about money and incentives and all that sort of thing, but one of the biggest stumbling blocks to me seems to be sort of philosophy, ideology, a, a discrimination almost, if we can go that, towards what apprentices are now. And as you said, a lot of people still have the attitude of university is better and apprentices is you can't go to university. And so actually I was rather surprised when I was reading the some research from the cross-party think tank, the Social Market Foundation, saying that more of us would like our kids to learn a trade than go to university. I'm wondering if that's sort of a piece of research very much of its time post-COVID, those sorts of things, people are reassessing the workplace and going to university. Or actually is this a sign of the way things are heading, do you think? I hear so much about this um, uh, suggestion that uh, apprenticeships are seen as a sort of second-class uh, route, um, but I, I don't see much evidence that either employers or learners um, see it as that. So I think there's a danger that this becomes sort of stated as a fact um, without necessarily an evidence um, base to support it. And as you rightly say, the Social Market Foundation um, suggested quite the opposite, that most people, more and more people want to see their children develop a trade than, than go to university. 
Um, I, I think that uh, in, all, in the 11 years I've been in Parliament, people have constantly been speaking positively uh, about apprenticeships. And I think in the, in the back end of the previous Labour government, um, there was a real drive towards uh, apprenticeships too. Uh, I, I think that, um, so I think that, you know, whether, whether attitudes have changed in the last 12 months or whether the attitude that apprenticeships were secondary um, was widely held uh, anyway, I, I'm not absolutely certain. Um, but what I do know is I would absolutely recommend to my children uh, to consider an apprenticeship. And I'd, I'd say the same to, to children and friends or anyone else. And finally, we have a, an autumn statement budget coming. Um, if you held the government's purse strings, if the future of apprentices were in your hands, what would you do? I mean, I think the first thing that I would do, as I've already alluded to, um, is to ensure that, you know, basically any business capable of employing apprenticeship, capable of giving uh, a young person uh, worthwhile um, career opportunity, worthwhile training, uh, the, the background in work in order um, to be able to uh, qualify for an apprenticeship should be able to access uh, that that uh, opportunity, that the fact that you, how much you pay into the levy should not be the determinant of whether or not you're able to get funded for an apprenticeship. I would remove a lot of the restrictions that exist within the existing apprenticeship levy. That's not even about spending more money. Um, it's simply about saying, what's the sense in restricting the amount of your apprenticeship levy that you, you uh, allocate towards your supply chain uh, or any other? I would look to focus more apprenticeship funding um, on level two to four apprenticeships unless uh, around six and seven particularly. I think businesses who are utilising huge amounts of their apprenticeship levy, not on the next generation, but on training up the staff that they already have. Important as lifelong um, career development is, uh, is, um, is misplacing. Uh, what the levy is all about. So I think there's things you 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 know you would like to utilise in terms of that funding. And we were uh, of the view that a wage subsidy ought to be considered as a result of the time of the COVID crisis. But there's so much you could do without spending money. Just about uh, um, really utilising existing funds better. I think. Toby, thank you so much. Labour Shadow Minister for Further Education and Skills, Toby Perkins, MP. And thank you too for listening to this episode and the series of All About Apprenticeships. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything that we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeServe Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag All About Apprenticeships. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. It helps other people find us.